Welcome to another edition of Cultural Class Podcast, the podcast where we get to interact with different people from different backgrounds. I get to learn about other cultures in different from different parts of the world. My name is Nusa Yari, and today I have yet another guest. Welcome to the podcast, Anayat. Thank you for having me. Uh, I always ask this question first uh, on the podcast. How do I pronounce your last name? I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> it's uh, pronounced Meskin. Meskin? Uh-huh. Meskin. Meskin or Meskin? Um, um, you know, Americans say um, uh, Meskin, but, you know, in Eritrea, they say Meskin. Okay, so in Eritrea, it's Meskin. Mm-hmm. All right, what does it mean? Um, you know, it was just a name of my one of my grandfathers, and so it's like tradition for... Um, for you to take over so my middle name is actually my dad's name and then oh yeah yeah so i take over so my middle name is my dad's name that's your dad's first name right my dad's first name yeah. is my middle name and then my last name is my grandfather's name got it mm-hmm. got it got it pretty interesting yeah i remember because i remember interviewing someone from ethiopia it's almost like the same thing uh in, in a sense but yeah welcome welcome Thank uh, you. Thank uh you. coming off a long weekend we're recording this on the tuesday <laughs> it's been a while since i touched this microphone <laughs> we had a, a three-day weekend uh since Friday to celebrate uh, President's Day. Yes. Uh, do you guys do anything fun? A lot of people went outside the city, went to Fort Collins. Some people went to the mountains. And it was a very beautiful weekend, too. What did you do over the weekend? Um, you know, honestly, I actually uh, just kind of stayed close to home. Um, I basically just hang out with my, my niece and my nephew. Okay. And then on Sunday, um, we actually had a popular priest who uh, is actually from Ethiopia. Okay. Um, so he's visiting and he's making, he's traveling right now. To oh, how states. popular is popular? Um, like I really mean, popular back home. Really popular because, mm. um, so he started off as doing his first kind of sermon at the uh, the Coliseum here in Denver. The Coliseum? The Coliseum. That's like, what, six, 7,000 people or something like that? Like 5,000 people or something? I, I want to say it's some, somewhere around that. Um, I didn't get to, a chance to make it to that one, mm. but I heard it was pretty packed. Um, but then Sunday, there's an Ethiopian church um, in, like, East Colfax. Mm-hmm. And so they had a sermon out there. And so we were pretty much there the whole day, just kind of listening to his sermon and getting our blessings and all of that. So it was Got really it. nice. Oh, okay, okay. That's a pretty interesting way to spend the weekend with family, kind of like relax, yeah. uh, kind of thing. I mean, I don't have family in Colorado, but, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. Just spend most of it indoors, uh, kind of like went out one day, but that's about it, you know, watching documentaries and doing other weird, boring stuff. <laughs> but that's besides <laughs> the point. Okay, so I have a couple of questions to start off the podcast. Um, this is something I'm, like, experimenting with. I did it the first time on the last episode where I interviewed uh, Rod from Australia, mm-hmm. uh, just to get a sense of who Sinayat is, uh, try to have a sense of your likes. So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions, two options. Just answer the first one that comes to mind, you know, something that you like. So okay. first one is dogs or cats, that kind of thing. So okay. just to have a sense of who, who you are. Okay. So are you ready? Yes. Okay. Dogs or cats? Cats. Beer or wine? Neither. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Okay, <laughs> that's a very Eritrean <laughs> answer. <laughs> ice cream or orange juice? Ooh, um, ice cream if it's vegan. Mm. Um, yeah, I would say ice cream. Wait, ice cream can be vegan? <laughs> yes, it can. You know, I'm still trying to interview like a 
they tell me this all the time, but I keep forgetting the difference between being vegan and being vegetarian. Yeah, yeah. What's so, the difference? So the difference is a vegetarian is uh, somebody who doesn't eat meat, okay. um, but that's like red meat or chicken or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So vegan is you you don't consume any animal products whatsoever. No so, eggs, no milk. Yeah, so dairy, uh, no eggs, no anything that would come from an animal, you don't consume that at all. Are you so how long have you been vegan? Actually I'm not vegan. Okay. I'm not even vegetarian. So what's up with the ice cream? Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, right? Um, so I was uh, a vegetarian for a number of years. Okay. And uh, during that time, I just learned about um, kind of like the process that goes into making ice cream and, you know, where it comes from. Basically, it comes from a cow, obviously. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I just learned more about it. And I w- honestly, I was grossed out by it. And so ever since then... You were grossed out by ice cream. I was grossed out by the process. Okay, by the process. I guess you think about it. Yeah, when they're extracting the milk out of a cow, it's very... um, It's like an inhumane process sometimes. And a lot of mucus goes into it. Uh, no, stop. Yeah, um, yeah. So, see, that's the thing that caught me. Why is that to stop? Okay, okay, okay. But is it how... Not a lot of so a lot of African countries have a lot of beef, you know, in their diet. Yeah. Is is it easy to be? I know you're not vegan, but is it how easy is it to be vegan or vegetarian as an Eritrean? Are your diets are your staple foods uh, constituted with a lot of meat and animal products that kind of thing? Yeah, actually, it's very very easy to become a, veg- a vegan or a vegetarian uh, with an Eritrean diet. Uh, so Eritrean food is very similar to Ethiopian food. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've had that before. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which is shameful because I've been in Denver for five months, but. Oh well, I gotta put you on some to okay. restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do nearby. it. Let's do it. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, there is meat in our diet, so we have like a lot of beef stews and like, uh, you know, like chicken uh, recipes and stuff like that. But then we also have a, a ton of vegetarian dishes. Um, so a lot of like spinach, uh, cabbage lentils um and you know uh, the bread that we eat it with is called injera. yeah yeah and so you know that's vegan as well um so it's really easy actually a lot of people actually use the Eritrean diet when they're transitioning um to becoming vegan okay okay got a little sidetracked there but let's go on <laughs> east coast or west coast west coast okay Tupac lover here <laughs> <laughs> Skating or snowboarding? Ooh, I would say skating. Okay. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Books or podcasts? Books. Oh, that one hurt me. How do you time. consume books nowadays? You still read? <laughs> I still read, but oh honestly, God, so it's jealous. becoming more and more difficult for me. Though. You don't use a Kindle or anything? You read actual books? I actually read like a hardback you know. I have like eight different books I haven't read in my library at home. I I keep buying more books and I haven't read like eight books. Oh, in my I'm house, the same so way. Crazy. You know, it's just so funny. It's like um, I don't know if it's just because of like the way the culture is right now, like that yeah. fast consumerism. Yeah, I just find it easier to listen. I just yeah. listen, like to actually get a book and read, which was yeah. and I was actually thinking about starting off with one of them like today. But uh-huh. I'm sorry, over the weekend, but that didn't happen. But anyway, uh, that's by the way, comedy show or music concert. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would say a music concert. Okay. What kind of music do you listen to? Um, I listen to a little bit of everything, but I would say uh, majority of it has been um, hip-hop, R&B, 
Um, yeah, right in Tupac Heart, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Just a West Coast thing, I guess. Okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, take out or eat in? Ooh, um, take out. Fiction or non-fiction? Fiction. Okay, this last one is determined if we'll stop this interview right now. <laughs> I'm going to chase you out. iOS or Android? <laughs> Whatever Apple products is, so iOS. iOS it oh is. my goodness, here we go again. <laughs> it was a little better when I was back in DC. Some people use Android, but here it's just everyone freaking iOS. But anyway, that's uh, by the way. So yeah, interesting getting to know a little bit about you, what you like, what your interests are. But talk to me about Sanayat girl. Like talk to me about growing up. How was that like? Uh, you mentioned uh, going to. The church on Sunday, where the priest uh, gave a sermon, is that a very common thing in an Eritrean family? Uh, how many siblings did you grow up with? What kind of activities do you do as a girl? Did you grow up here or did you grow up back home? Uh, give me the whole nine. Yeah, yeah. So basically, my parents came about, um, I would say, about a year and a half before I was born. Okay. Um, they came to the United States, um, and actually, they were... They had a choice um, to go to either New York or come to Colorado. Okay. And um, so basically, my dad already had one of his cousins living in Colorado, and he asked her opinion, and he basically, she basically told him, um, you know, if you move to New York, your kids are going to grow up crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that's exactly what he did. So, uh, so they moved to Colorado. Wow, so I was thinking about you guys before you were even born. Are you the first child? Uh, actually, no, I'm a middle child. So okay. uh, I have an older sister and a younger brother. So was your older sister born back home? No, she was actually born in the Here. United States. So okay, like, so she's a year older a, than you. Yeah, just a year older than me. So um, a few months after they came, like she she was born. Got it. Yeah, um, and so, yeah, so we, we settled in Denver, Colorado. Um, and, you know, there's a... I would say that there's a there's a pretty decent sized Eritrean community in Denver. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of us, we all knew each other. We all hung out with each other. Does that um, mean you couldn't get into trouble? That you, if you like try to go out with boys, you like five of your aunties will walk yeah. by and report you. Yep, that was a struggle growing up. That's <laughs> well, God way to Durango <laughs> and stuff. That was a struggle. Yeah, all okay. of us we used to joke about that all the time. We still joke about that kind of stuff. I can only imagine. Yeah, and you know, um, a lot of our our people in the community, you know, maybe they'll drive like a Lyft or Uber or, you know, taxis and stuff like that. So there yeah. was always like an ongoing joke about like, okay, you know, if you, you're somewhere and then you're going to run into somebody. Got it. A taxi and stuff oh, like that. Spies everywhere. Spies everywhere. <laughs> spies everywhere. Um, so how many siblings do you have? So I have three siblings. Okay. So um, my older sister, like I said, she's one year older than me. Mm -hmm. And then I have a younger brother who's three years younger than me. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's two siblings. Sorry. That's oh, yeah, there's three all together, but... Oh, yeah, okay, so just three kids. Yeah. Got it, got it. Yeah. So, yeah, so we grew up in Denver, um, and I would say that we we had... It, it was very interesting. I felt like I was just growing up in two different cultures, really. Um, mm. You know, at home, it was a very uh, Eritrean-centered, you know what I mean? So, like, we spoke to Grinia, which is, like, the official language of Eritrea in the home. We were eating Eritrean food. We were, you know, watching Eritrean movies, of course, yeah. being around, like, different family members and all of that. Eritrean sort. movies. That's interesting. What's one you can suggest for our listeners real quick? Ooh, you know, I don't know any of these. A, like, a, a banger, like, 
one that's timeless. Maybe it was released 10 years ago, whatever. But oh, man. Are there subtitles? There are subtitles. That's the only way that I really was able to kind of, like, follow along with them. Okay. So, um... Where do you watch Irish movies? YouTube or...? Well, back in the day, it used to be just, like, VHS. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, somebody would just get the video from... You might have to explain VHS them. for people who are younger. <laughs> <laughs> VHS is this box thing that used to rewind. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just literally joking. what it was. Google what VHS is. Right. So, for our younger listeners, yeah. uh, VHS was a uh, an older version of... Um, I don't even know what to call it. Right after the Betamax, before the CD. Yes, yeah. So, so. basically, it was uh, a way to play your your videos, like your movies and all of that kind of sort. And so it was like a big boxy kind of uh, equipment. With some tape inside. Yeah, with some tape inside and all mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, so people would sell those videos and then we'd, you know, take them back home and then we'd all watch them together. Um, and then, um, yeah, so we just kind of like learned... Um, more about the culture through things like that. So going to Eritrean parties, um, you know, listening to the music, that sort of thing. Um, So there was like, you know, like I said, so inside of the home, it was very Eritrean centered, but then outside of the home was very American. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there was always a little bit of a culture clash growing up. Um, Tell me one instance. Did you, was there something in school, something at home? Yeah. Yeah. So one instance I would say is like my father, he was like very, very strict about, um, you know, going to school and making mm. sure that we're studying all typical the time. Typical African parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, typical African parent. Like, you don't need friends. Your books are your friends, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> that's not an African father saying, then I don't know oh, what it goodness. is. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Preach. Um, yeah, and so, you know, you come from that, but then, you know, you might go to your American friends' houses where they're like, oh, let's let's do sleepovers and let's, you know, go to this party or we want to go hang out at a mall. and you know, yeah. Um, yeah, my parents were not having that at all. Yeah, I say, no, I don't know where you're going. What do you mean sleepover? What are you talking about sleepover? My friend, will you sleep over in your room? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, your friends can come over to our house and you guys can study together. Okay, so you, you pretty much uh, experienced uh, uh, American culture in school yeah. most of the time, and maybe through uh, the American media, and yeah. experienced African culture uh, back home, right? and especially in the community, I guess, in church and mm-hmm. things like that. Was there ever a situation where maybe you wore an, uh, an Eritrean outfit to school, or maybe you spoke to Grignier outside or something, and you were being like made fun of or, or chastised for your culture or something like that? Did you ever go through any experience like that growing up? Yeah. Um, actually, no. Um, at, in fact, at, it was almost the opposite. Mm. So when I would wear Eritrean clothing or traditional clothing, um, I'd always get so many compliments like, oh, wow, that's a beautiful dress. You yeah. know, where is it from? What does it mean? All of those type of questions. Um, and even when I spoke to Grinia, um, you know, people were very much like, oh, wow, that's so cool that you know a second language. Like, that's really cool, you know? Um, and then they did want to learn more about Eritrea because I would say up until probably fairly recently, a lot of people really didn't even know about Eritrea at all. So I would tell them I'm from Eritrea. And they even did. in Colorado? That's crazy. Because yeah, yeah, <laughs> the population is... Uh, yeah. And, um, but like I said, it was more recent now that people are starting to recognize where Eritrea is, but before I'd have to like point it out on a map yeah. and, you know, actually show them the physical location. Um, I mean, Eritrea is uh, relatively, well, not relatively, but in the context of the world, a newer country than, uh, yes. uh, so uh, mm-hmm. in that sense, maybe uh, 
you know, some people are still trying to play catch up. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that the like, you know, there's been some a couple of celebrities that have been um you know, more outspoken about being Eritrean themselves. So, like, mm. Nipsey Hussle, the uh, rapper. Yeah. Um, Tiffany Haddish, she's a comedian. Tiffany Haddish is Eritrean? She is Eritrean. She's really? Eritrean, yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Uh, I thought she, like, grew... Okay, she did grow up on the West Coast, but she did, yeah. uh, perhaps her parents were Eritrean. So. Yeah, well, her dad is Eritrean, I think. And then um, her mom is African-American. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Well, that's, that's pretty interesting. Okay, uh, let me see here. Um, talking about you growing up, I'm still trying to get a story from you. Like, I want us to picture, like, how was it exactly? There had to have been some episodes or a particular incident that, you know, you guys remember it till now. Spit it out. Let it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? <laughs> uh, just just in general? Just a story that... Yeah, maybe something centered around culture in some way or, or something. I don't know. Something interesting. Like, I, I can remember when we took our dad's car... Uh, me and my brother when we're much younger and we, we drove it out and our, our driveway he always re- parked in the reverse he, he reversed to park in our driveway but we we're like 12 or 13 obviously we didn't know how to reverse right, we right. barely knew how to drive straight so yeah. we couldn't figure out how to reverse the car to park exactly uh-huh. and we knew if we parked it straight he knew someone touched his car right so we're just like you know what let's just go Pad up and just get ready for the spanking because <laughs> might as well, you know, that that kind of thing. Those are memories like you know, you remember till till today, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that it's a lot of it is uh, like just stories I would hear for like my uncles and stuff like that. Um, so especially a lot of the stories about when they first came to America and just like um, the the culture shock that they experienced coming here. Mm. Um, so I know, like, you know, they told me the story of when they first came to America and they went to the grocery store for the first time. Mm. And, you know, there was just like thousands of options of food and cereal and all of this stuff. And they were just like so shocked and surprised that like all of this just exists. So many brands. Yeah. Yeah, So many brands and stuff like that. Um, And then there's also other funny stuff like where, uh, so one of my uncles, he uh, drive, drove taxi for a little bit. And um, so he was like conversating with one of the people that he had picked up. And the person offered him some candy um, and didn't realize that it was edibles. And so... Uh, <laughs> and he was driving the taxi. He was driving the taxi. Now that's funny. <laughs> and basically, you know, freaked out. And this is Colorado, uh, obviously, before legalization. Yeah, this is before legalization. Okay, and so, okay. like, you know, kind of, like, pulled over, thought he was dying, thought something was happening If he was him. back on the continent, he would probably say, oh, my enemies are at me again. Someone from my village is attacking me spiritually. <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you touched a little bit about the diet uh, in Eritrea. There's something that always fascinated me about the communal nature of the Eritrean and just East African diet in general, especially like with the boom culture, mm-hmm. like what you guys do with that. Like how significant is coffee where you're from and is making boom still practice here in the United States where you have like, like communal where people come with all the cops and you know, the ladies pour the jugs and everyone like sits and talks, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Coffee is like a huge, huge, um, it's like a bonding um kind of way that we that we use coffee the coffee yeah. ceremony anyway yeah. and it's 100 percent still used in uh, colorado and everywhere really i mean i would say probably almost every eritrean family that i know of has their own um coffee setup 
And so, you know, so basically we're making coffee from scratch, right? So we have the coffee weans, we have the grinder, we have uh, what's called a buna. So that's where you actually, like, make the coffee inside of it. Is that um, like the kettle kind of thing? Yeah, it's like a kettle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Um, and but then, you call it the buna? Yeah, we call it a buna. Oh, and for those of you listening, buna is coffee. Yeah, buna In case coffee. you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Um, and so, I mean, I would say even in our own household, like my parents, for instance, um, you know, whenever there's a significant event, so uh, it could be like a, a birthday celebration, it could be, uh, but sometimes it could be just as simple as it's a Sunday and we want to do something kind of like nice. And so, so, so that means that the beverage is not tied to specific occasions, it's just when you feel in a celebratory mood. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Or when you have guests over and, you, you know, you're trying to be um, a great host and you will offer your coffee and you'll offer, like, boom. you know, doing the ceremony, it's a whole... It's a whole thing, right? Oh wait, there's a ceremony attached with the boon. That this is besides absolutely. just pouring the cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, absolutely. Describe, the describe. whole ceremony is about the actual making of the coffee. You know, so like I said, like when you have the, you know, you have the beans and then you have to grind the beans and then you have to cook it and then you have to like, you know, make it in the buna. Um, and so, and then there's even. Um, but that, that's all done before people converge, right? No. Or while people are waiting, grinding the beans yeah, in so the kitchen the, or at the back or something. No, actually, it's right in front of everybody. Oh wow! Yeah, so um, so they make a like a a ceremony out of it. So basically, they'll do a really nice setup. They'll have like you know they'll make a decorations um, kind of like in the the centerpiece where we hold the coffee. Okay. Um, and then, um, so basically, like, guests will come over, we'll start talking, we'll just start, you know, like, just basically having a good conversation and dialogue. And while that's happening, somebody is on the side kind of making the coffee. Mm. And so, um, yeah, so it's just kind of like a... Is music playing in the background, or it's not necessary? No, I wouldn't say music is super necessary. The coffee is mainly the the main focus got it you know and it's kind of like the connector throughout that whole you know um the whole meeting and so um and you're not just pouring one cup right you're doing like a couple of cups and you're you're talking about how good the coffee is you're talking about um or you're even like there's one portion of the coffee ceremony where after the uh the coffee has been um cooked um and so you you put it into like a um not sure what to call it but it's like a little almost like a little cup and it's still smoking and so there's like a smell of the coffee that's still coming off of the coffee and so you kind of like shake it into the the pin or the uh the bin that it's in okay so the smoke comes out and then you kind of like pass it around and you have people um kind of use their hand in a swiping motion to kind of Inhale. Bring in that smell so that you can smell the coffee oh wow what what does that signify like it kind of is, is there, like, is this just cultural, or is this is kind of, like, spiritual or both? As far as I know, it's cultural. Okay. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's more of an, a spiritual aspect of it. Yeah. Um, I haven't really looked into the spiritual aspect. I might have to, yeah, look into that, though. Oh, yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So there are two things we have to do. We have to do the boon. Mm-hmm. The boona is the pot. Yes. The boon is the coffee. Yes. What's the ceremony called? Um, I, I don't know if we actually have, like, a name for the whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, But we just say boon, boon, buna. It's the same thing. 
Got it, mm-hmm. got it. Oh, that's pretty interesting. And that's not the only thing that excites me about the East, the Eritrean culture. Like, like you said, the dresses are beautiful. Like, you guys have these white dresses, uh, you know, ladled with embroidery, like in the middle on the collar, like very beautiful dresses, and it's worn by uh, what's it called, a worky, I think. Yeah. Like, like the jewelry. Yeah, worky means jewelry. Yeah, mm-hmm. wor- worky means jewelry. You know, mm-hmm. I'm I'm being Eritreanized <laughs> right now. <laughs> but what, what's the significance of the jewelry? Because those are some fascinating pieces I've seen, like worn on the neck, on the ears, on the hands, that kind of thing. Who wears a jewelry? Uh, are, are there certain jewelries that are worn by single ladies, married ladies? Is it significant to wear certain kinds of jewelry on certain parts of the body? Like, what's our whole uh, worky thing? Yeah, um, you know, I think that for the most part, uh, anyone can wear the jewelry, you okay. know? So um, it's really kind of just like an added decoration to our dresses and to, you know, so that when we're going to the parties that we're looking the best that we can be. Um, and so like, we'll have jewelry pieces in our hair. Like there's a traditional way that um, a lot of Eritreans wear their hair. So it's like braided back with uh, kind of like the back of their hair still out um, and left loose. Did you wear that to specific, that hairstyle to specific occasions, or is it just... You can wear them anywhere, um, especially now that hair braiding is just so popular, like, you okay. can wear them anywhere, but most of the time, it's usually for major celebrations. So, Got it. Uh, birthday, well, maybe not so much birthdays, but I would say, like, weddings, baptisms, um, you know, things like that. Um, and so, um, yeah, and so the jewelry... Um, you know, it's just more of a more of just of a decoration. So anyone can wear it. But there are certain times where, like, say, if you're going to a wedding, maybe the bride will have specific jewelry that only she she can wear. She can wear. Got it. Or uh, so out of respect, you, you yeah. Can wear that. Or like hina. Hina is another thing that's like really popular. Hina, like the tattoos. Yeah, the hina tattoos. Oh. Um. So hina tattoos. Wait, is that Eritrean origin? I don't know if it's originated in Eritrea, but I know a lot of. Uh, People in that region all do hina. Uh, yeah, um, and people in India too, I guess. Yeah, India like, is huge out there as well. Hina, yeah. yeah, and so um, basically, they with hina they can make you know decorations on their hands. Um, and so I know during uh, for weddings, uh, the people that can wear the hina are usually like the bride, and then the people who are actually in the wedding. Um, so you know, there's certain like, like restrictions. The so people like the in the wedding. Oh, got it, got yeah, it, got it, got it. and stuff like that. Um, so there are certain restrictions during certain um, events and stuff like that, um, but for the most part, it's more kind of like you know whatever you see fit. You can you can definitely just do that. Wow, and is the community large enough that you can get these items here in Colorado, is or it's like people who go back home actually like bring them over that kind of thing. There's a couple of um, there's a couple of places that where you can buy zodias from. Is that what the dresses are called? Yeah. So the dresses are called zodias. 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 Yeah. Is that an R? Uh, yeah, so Z U R, I think I A. Yeah, oh, yeah. But your mom is listening, so she, <laughs> you know, if she'll be impressed or not <laughs> by your knowledge. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you can buy, you can definitely buy some Eritrean dresses um, in Colorado, but for the most part, I would say a lot of women, what they do is they'll um, they'll link up with somebody who's already going to Eritrea, mm. and you know, and then they'll work with them to bring more dresses from Eritrea. Um, or if there's like a, like I said, if there's a wedding or something that they really need a specific dress for, then they'll work with somebody who's already in Eritrea to bring those dresses here. Um, and then now I'm starting to see a lot more online shops pop up. So in Ethiopia, you can buy, you know, shops from online. Um, 
And um, oh, you, you did, the stores are located in Ethiopia, but they host their wares online, so you buy and they ship it to you. Correct. Yes. Got it. Mm -hmm, Got mm -hmm. it. And I'm sure there's Eritrean websites as well that you can do that as well. So yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and it's it's usually white. All the dresses are white. Uh, are there other colors as well, or yeah. it's just yeah. white? White is more of the traditional mm. look. You know what I mean? So you might see a lot of the older women wearing that. Okay. Um, and there's like a spiritual significance to it as well. So, you know, while they're going to church, they a lot of the times are wearing all white. And then they also wear, uh, it's like a, it's like a scarf, but it's called a netzala. Netzala. Netzala, yeah. Azuria so with the netzala. Yeah, the netzala okay. is basically the scarf that they wear over their heads. Uh. Um, and so a lot of women wear that. Um, to church or to certain events or to even to funerals and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, fa fascinating stuff. Like, I'm I'm being immersed in the Eritrean culture, you know, little by little. Uh, talk to me about Tigrinya. You speak a little bit of Tigrinya. Uh, what are the basics? I know nothing about Tigrinya. I want to learn uh, some of the soft uh, phrases or letters or something. Uh, what, what's a good place to start off with? Um, you know, I would just start off. You, to be honest, I'm not fluent in, in Tigrinya. I would so. notice. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up here in Denver, and um, although my parents spoke Tigrinya with me growing up, but then um, just over time, you know, it's kind of been mixed in with English, and then now it's like mostly English. Um, and so I really have to try hard to really speak to Grinia. Like, I can understand most of it, yeah. but to speak it is a lot harder for me. Do you get that pushback from the typical African parents? I can't believe you cannot speak oh, your language. All the time. In my case, <laughs> your, I'm like... Your father didn't teach you? In, your mother didn't teach you? I mean, in your case, like, in my case, my, my dad never spoke it to me. Like, he always spoke, like, Queen's English. Like, oh, he, really? Yeah, and he, this was someone that grew up in a freaking village. For, <laughs> not allowed, and, was there a reason why? Uh... Uh, I don't know. Well, my father is just a different kind of person. He's very cultured uh, for the environment he grew up in. Mm -hmm. uh, you never know mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I don't know. Like it's just different. So he, I didn't. He, so he didn't speak a lot of Bini to me when I was growing up. So which is uh, maybe one of the reasons. It was an excuse I used <laughs> <laughs> for not knowing the language. But, so that's besides the point. So but about Tigrinya, if I want to say, you know, hey. <clears throat> Hey, Sanaya, how are you? Uh, you know, my name is Nosa, that kind of thing. Uh -huh. uh, or we're recording a podcast right now. Uh -huh. Or maybe the ABCs or something. Like, okay. what, what, what oh, you're I putting say? me on the spot now. I would say <laughs> <laughs> Salam, Sanaya. Uh, salam? Yeah, Salam that's just means hi. Yeah. Salam. Salam, Sanaya. How, how do I respond to Salam? So um, say salam. You could just say Salam back. Salam. Just hi back. Okay. And then, um, so you would say Shime uh, Nosa? Shimei Nosa. Yeah, and that just means my name is Nosa. Shimei uh -huh. Nosa. Um, and to get into more of the complicated stuff, I might have to, like, pull in my parents for that. So. Uh, I mean, that's fine. That's fine. Salam, <laughs> salam is fine. That's a good icebreaker. So I'm like, hey, Salam, yeah. uh, Shimei Nosa. Uh, Kamalaha, which means how are you if you're speaking to a male. Kamalaha. Uh -huh. Or mm. Kamalahi if you're speaking to a female. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's like French, you know, the way you address males and females sometimes it's different. Yeah. Uh, with the last. Uh, uh, yeah. The vowel pronouns. or something. Or yeah. Last, I think it's like all the pronouns. Sometimes. Yeah. So it's different whether you're addressing a male or a female or uh, like they or that. Mm -hmm. Got it. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. So you grew up in Denver. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting stuff growing up. 
within all this culture, uh, such fascinating Eritrean culture. Talk to me about the first time you ventured out of Denver. Like maybe you went to a different state. Maybe you went to, I don't know, like what, what was, how old were you when you first ventured out of Denver? You said you had family in New York, that kind of thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. What did you guys do then? I would say the first place that we, that I had left uh, Denver, Colorado was um, to go to Seattle. Okay. Um, and so basically, my grandmother, she uh, moved from Eritrea to live in Denver, Colorado with us. Your grandmother. Okay, mm-hmm. this is after your parents came. Yeah, this is after my parents came. So after my Got parents it. came, um, they brought over uh, family from my mom's side. So my uncle, my aunts, uh, their kids, and then my grandmother. Okay. And so, um, so they were living in Colorado for a little bit, but then they decided to move to Seattle. Um, and so basically just went out there to go visit them in Seattle. How old were you? Um, I was, I would say I was about 10 years old. Okay, and um, all this time, all you had known was Denver, right? Yeah. Okay. All I knew was Denver. Um, and, um, and so that was a really cool experience because, uh, you know, Seattle has a huge Eritrean population out there. It does? It, it has a huge well, I didn't population. Know that. What's yeah. the, what are the cities in the U.S. that have the most? Like, if you, I'm Nigerian, so if you yeah. ask me the cities <laughs> that are second, like, Nigerian. Houston. Houston. D.C. D.C. New York, like, DMV in general. Yeah. New York. Uh, you know, those kind of cities. Yeah. What are those cities for Eritreans? For Eritreans, I hear a lot of Eritreans are in Seattle, obviously, is one of the places. Um, I want to say Minnesota is another place that I hear a lot of Eritreans move to. Mm. Um, even Atlanta is another place. Uh, the DMV, obviously, there's just yeah, the a DMV, mixture yeah, of just Habashas in general. Yeah. Um, and I would say, like, Houston, Dallas has a pretty good population as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're at 10 years old, you went to Seattle, you mm-hmm. went to see your grandmother. Mm-hmm. I guess Seattle is not that different from Denver. I haven't been, but I would imagine. So there, I, was there any no, obvious... You know, other than just kind of like the structural, um, you know, differences of being in another state. Yeah. But other than that, um, it wasn't like a huge uh, difference for me. You know, it was just like, oh, I'm just in a different place, but it looks exactly the same to me. Got it. Um, and at this time, you hadn't gone home yet, right? I had not, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you gone home? I have, yeah. And so basically a few years later, so I was like in high school. Um, so that was probably like around 90, 99. Okay. I think 98, 99. Um, and so my dad just really wanted us to go back to Eritrea. Uh, we were in high school at the time. And so our summer break was coming All three up. of you. All three of us. Mm. Um, and yeah, so basically we went to Eritrea for did two they months. Go, they go back with, oh, two months. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> did they go time. back with you? They did. Yeah. My Well, right. my dad did. My mother did not. Okay. Uh, so my mother stayed here behind so that she can work and do all that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, so I just went with my dad and then my brother and my sister. Um, and so, and that was interesting because before we got to Eritrea, we actually stopped by, uh, Yemen. And, um, so, and then while we were in Yemen, um, we had a delay. So we ended up staying there for about a day or two. Okay. Um, and that was just like a complete, I felt like I was in another world, mm. you know? I mean, Yemen was so drastically different from any place that I could ever so imagine. So Yemen in 99. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, to this day, mm. and I've traveled, you know, quite a bit so far, but to this day, it's been a place where I was just, um, 
just blown away by it, the fact that it was just so different from any other place that I had ever been. Describe different. What was different about yeah. Yemen? Um, well, for one, it was just the, the, the landscape. Um, and so uh, it's really, really beautiful. Um, I don't know if it is an actual desert, but that's what I remember seeing it, you know, so they'll have like a lot of different um markets and villages and uh, coffee shops and stuff. Oh, you guys actually went into the city, into the... Okay. Yeah, so basically, so we got off the plane, we went into our hotel, and then uh, we knew that we were going to have some free time, so we decided, okay, let's go and, like, check out the city. So we went, we tried to, um, but mind you, that was during the summer, and obviously in Yemen, it's going to be scorching hot over there. So, you know, like the girls, we just had, like, tank tops on, uh, you know, some people had shorts on, that kind of thing. And so we we were walking through the streets, um, but they did not like us not being covered. And mm. they made it very well known that they didn't like that and that we need to go back to our hotels and change. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, and that was interesting in, even in itself because um, you had, you know, grown men calling you whores or, mm. you know what I mean, because of the way that you dress in their, in their traditional clothing. And a lot of their uh, traditional clothing, they have like these huge long swords that they uh wear with their clothing yeah um so so it was just different you know um, so we went back we changed um and then we actually had like an official guide that kind of like toured through the city um and um yeah so we just went through the different markets and stuff like that and um you know obviously it's a majority uh muslim country so a lot of women were very covered up um and it was just, like, simple little things that I still remember to this day. So, like, we were driving, and then I happened to look over at the car next to us, and it was just a little kid who was actually driving the car. And he was, like— How little? I mean, he had to be no no bigger than 12 years old. Okay, so at least he had a license, you know? Uh, I mean, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> you know, he's, like, propped up against all of these, like, phone books in mm. order to even see the steering wheel. So just stuff like that was yeah, just really yeah, interesting. That sounds like uh, some parts of Africa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys eventually made it to Eritrea. We did, yeah. Um, how was that summer for you guys? Uh, yeah. Two whole months. Wow, first time. Did you even, like, dip your feet in the water for, like, a week or two? Like, yeah. two months, the whole summer, you're gone. Yeah. How was, was that like? It was great, you know. Um, I think that I had the experience that a lot of people talk about, um, especially being a black person from America and going to Africa for the first time. Uh, and um, just that overwhelming kind of sense of, like, um, appreciation. Which of, is something most of us from Africa take for granted. That's yeah. Most of us that grew up in Africa take for granted. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. just landing in a place where you're like, wow, everybody looks like me. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, um, just that alone was huge for me. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, and the country itself is just very, very beautiful. Like, you know, there's palm trees, and I just wasn't expecting that. Um, I was, you know, I knew a little bit more than probably um, most people did at the time about, like, what Africa truly is about. Because, you know, a lot of people at that time still had that, the negative stereotypes about Africa. Oh, you guys live in huts, and, you know, you guys Mm, are all Even till today, I guess. Yeah, you know? Um. And so uh, it was just nice to be around family. The only hard part for me, honestly, was the language barrier. Mm. Um, you know, like I said, I I can understand it, but it's a totally different thing when you're actually in the country and they're speaking, speaking yeah. Yeah, so fast, so quickly, and you're trying to grasp <laughs> That's everything. actually why a lot of parents send your kids who are born here back home. Like, I have a friend who was born here. She's Nigerian. Yeah. And I think one day her name is... 
the way we pronounce it, just like the Mexican Mexican mm-hmm. thing. I think her name is Chica. Uh-huh. Her traditional name is Chica, and she she said Chick Chica or something. Okay. <laughs> it was a very spontaneous decision. She was like, "Oh, Chica." And her father just looked at her and like, "You're going back to Nigeria next week." <laughs> like just like that. Yeah. Um, to kind of like immerse them her in the language and. <clears throat> being forced to speak. But what were some of the cultural practices that you were surprised by? Like, having grown up here, obviously, you were around the community. You had done uh, Boone. You had done all those things. You had gone to church. So you are familiar with some of the practices. But what were some of the things you didn't get to do until you went back to Eritrea that was totally new for you, even though you were of Eritrean descent? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, you know, one of the things that I that I really picked up while I was there was the fact that it is such a community-based, um, you know, environment. And so uh, people didn't center their lives around their jobs and mm. their careers and stuff like that, you know? So mm. there was um, there was a lot of effort being made to spend time with family and to, um, you know, just kind of make those type of connections yep. and really... Um, there was a focus on family and friendship and community. And um, so that was really surprising to me. You know, like some some stores would close early in order to, um, you know, have dinner with their families or, wow. you know, or in the middle of the day, even they'll close down and go have lunch, you know, with their own families or whoever it is. Um, and so that was really, really cool for me to see. And I was like, oh, it was it was cool for me to see that because um, it allowed me to see that there's different ways of life that people live, you live, know? Yeah. Um, and this and is you growing up in Denver. Like, if you if your dad has settled in New York, it would have been a, a oh, totally yeah, sure different story. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, well, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, talk to me about some of your other trips. So, uh, later in life, um, you got to, I mean, I looked at your Instagram mm-hmm. uh, pictures. Uh, yeah, you had been to, you know, cities like Beijing. You had oh. been to Dubai. You have been to all these places. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some of your globetrotting experiences, some of your international trips. What are some of the cities you've been to uh, in the last uh, couple of years? In the last couple of years? Okay, so last year I went to China. Mm-hmm. Um, so in China, we, we were, uh, we stayed in a couple of different cities. So we went to Beijing, we went to Shanghai. Uh, I think one of the other places was Wuxi. Wuxi? Um, yeah, Wuxi. So it's W-U-X-I-E. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we got... What's like, the center of attraction in Wuxi? Um, so the way that it was described to us, so Beijing is considered like the D.C. of China, right? Okay, so it'll I be a lot that. of like state, um, state-sponsored state type of um, buildings and that kind of sort of thing yeah. right there. Shanghai is considered like the New York of um, of China. Okay. And so, like a really bustling city. I can um, see that too. Yeah, plenty of to do. Um, and then Wuxi was described to us as like the Seattle of China, mm. and so very lush, very green, very uh, almost tropical. Um, a lot of like botanical gardens kind of surrounding the area. Got it. Um, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how, how was how long were you guys going for? So we were there. Um, I want to say it was like ten days. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a stretch. That's a good stretch. I always like to say keep your international trips to six days. Because six <laughs> days forces <laughs> you to go out and do stuff. Oh. And you don't get bored in six days. Yeah. And you know you don't have a lot of time, so you're always like, go, 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 go. <laughs> Let's go to a bunch of cities. But 10 days is pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, we went to so many different cities. Yeah. We stayed in, in so many in different 10 hotels. Days. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And um, on top of that, we didn't realize it at the time, but... 
the trip was actually a state-sponsored trip. Um, in what way? And so basically, it's it's where the Chinese government will offer um, trips to China for a really discounted price, right? So we just thought we were getting a great deal and we're going to go to China. Like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but really what it is is that because it's state-sponsored, within the trip, they have, like, a strict schedule that you have to stick to. Oh, so you guys went in a group? We, we Yeah, we did. We went mm. in a group. Um, and so there was several of us. There was a group of friends that I had personally gone with, but mm. then there was also maybe 20 other people within our group that we all traveled together. Did they also control where you guys went to, like yes. the places you saw? Oh, Chinese government. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Ooh. And the thing is, and they, they told us that... Um, you know, we couldn't even veer away from like our schedule because mm. technically that would be like a breach of contract, and that wow. they, we how cheap were these out. freaking tickets? I mean, twelve hundred dollars. <laughs> so wow. I guess that is pretty good. But wait, um, is that all inclusive or just for the flight? All inclusive. Oh wow, for ten days? Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, that's why we're all the way to China. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, and you know, honestly, even with that, it was still a great experience because I mean, yes, they did have uh, things in the schedule that were like, um, you know, you would go to the silk factory or you would go to the tea factory or you would, you know, all of these different things that obviously the government wanted you to go to. Yeah. Um. But still, you still had a great experience, and you still got to see a lot. And you guys went to the Great Wall. I saw pictures. We did. We right, that must have been Wall. interesting. I want to. I like. I haven't been to Asia. I haven't been to. I really want to go to Southeast Asia in particular, yeah. and I want to go to like Middle Europe. Those two places. I haven't had a chance. Well, how was the Great Wall? Did you Did you walk the stretch? Yes, it was amazing. Actually, it kind of was a little bit mind blowing because you know these are man made structures that yeah, you know, that I've you're building there for or that you're climbing, yeah. and um. And when you get there and to see the actual scope of like just how big it actually is, um, it's it's just really crazy to see it in person. And so as you're climbing, um, even the the stairs are man-made, obviously. And so, but they're not all what, what even. Do you mean this? Wait, do you mean there's there are stairs on the? This might be an ignorant okay, question, yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> I just thought the Great Wall is one stretch, one flat stretch. I thought of, that too. <laughs> oh, there are actually <laughs> stairs. Oh, yeah. that makes sense actually. Maybe like the it's Brooklyn like on a hill. It's like an, on a like yeah, a mountainous yeah, hill, right? And so like people are climbing that hill, and there are like you know ones that you can just walk, and it's a, a straight line, yeah. but. Um, for the most part, like you climb, and it's different points that you try to reach mm. um, as you're climbing the Great Wall. Um, but it's very steep mm. and um, uneven. The steps are really uneven, and so mm. I have like because it was terrible, built so long ago, yeah. Yeah, it was built so long ago, and I have like a terrible fear of heights, and so I literally only made it to the first point, and I was like, okay, I think I'm good. Okay, yeah. this, this is uh, what was your answer between uh, mountains or beaches again? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I beaches. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Oh, okay, that's uh, pretty, pretty interesting. You guys didn't do the stretch, obviously, because I'm sure it's a very long no, stretch. I, Even I mean, to bike would take a while. Oh, yeah. Do people I mean, bike on the Great Wall? I didn't see any of that. Is it I big enough to fit a car? I don't think so. I mean, you can drive up to it, but mm. I don't think you can actually drive. No, I mean, is it wide enough to actually fit an actual car? Like, is it like... Um, how many people standing side by side can walk together on the Great Wall? Like, three, like I said, there's four. so many different entry points of mm. the of the Great Wall, so it really probably would depend on what point you're what coming point in you into. Okay. Um, because you know, like I said, the point that we were in were, was just that that steep climb. 
So there was no real room for cars to actually travel Um, that same type of road. The Chinese government was trying to work this tourist site. Take them to the steepest place. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool. What what other countries, what other cities have you been to? Yeah, so um, before that, we, um, some friends and I, we went to Dubai. Mm. Um, And so that was a really cool experience, too. I was actually, um, I honestly didn't know how well I would like Dubai. Um, just because I know, like, my own personality, I like, like I said, I like the beaches, I like, you know, organic nature, I like, you know, um, being in tropical places. Being in ice creams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, Dubai is kind of known for being, like, this man-made city. Um, mm. And so I was like, oh, I'm not really sure if I'm going to, like... I'm sure Dubai it. can build a forest if they want to. Uh, who knows? They probably already have <laughs> build a Build a sea <laughs> or something. But sorry, as you were saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just... Uh, it was really, really cool because um, I I always say that it's like, to me, it felt like a city of contrast. Um, so on one hand, it was uh, a very strict Muslim country, you know, Um so there was that aspect, but then on the other hand, there was like, it's like a country of opulence, right? So it's like, you know, before I went, I was like, it's probably going to be streets paved of gold or, you mm. know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, and there's definitely that contrast when you get there, but um, because there's so many other people that are um, coming from surrounding countries, yeah. they go to Dubai to go work. Um, yeah. So it was surprisingly True. really affordable. And um the heat was just insane out there. I mean, you know, it gets up to like a hundred degrees almost every day. Yeah, I've lived in, you've lived in Denver for too freaking long. I know. Everywhere is hot. I know. <laughs> I know. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> well, wow, that that's interesting. Did you have you been anywhere else? Yeah, yeah. So I've been to Costa Rica. Um, I've been to Germany. Oh wow. Um, yeah, and I've been to Mexico. Just a couple of places. Yeah, just, a, just a couple of places. <laughs> yeah, just a few places here and there. As, did you observe any commonalities um, between these places? These are all different places Costa Rica, Mexico, Germany, Eritrea, Yemen, mm-hmm. uh, Beijing. These are all different places. But did you happen to experience any commonalities between maybe two or three of those places, or even all of those places that, wow, these are different countries? But at the end of the day, X is still the same, that kind of thing. Yeah. One thing that I really noticed, I would say um, excluding uh, Costa Rica, but all the other places that I've visited um, really were conservative in nature. Like, you know, the clothing was conservative. Uh, excluding Costa Rica? Costa Rica, no, no. Because Costa Rica is such a, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's more of like a carefree type of place. And plus it's really hot. Beaches, so people are, and maybe that might also be just kind of like the Costa Rican culture where they're just a little bit more um, open to, um, I don't know, even um, women wearing clothing that is a little bit more revealing or maybe they're a little bit more open to um, sexuality and, you know, that kind of stuff. They're more comfortable with it. Germany was conservative. <laughs> I went in the winter, so oh, who okay. knows? <laughs> that could have been it too. Got it. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I just really noticed that there was just a level of just conservatism that I I picked up in all of those type of places. Like the style of dress, especially, was something that really stuck out to me. Was there anything? I don't want to use the word shocking, but was there anything um, different? about maybe one or two of those places that you didn't expect. Yeah. 
Um, China, I was really surprised, one, that English wasn't as um, common out there. Um, and just because China or Chinese products, you know, it's just so uh, prevalent in, like, American culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would think that that would almost be the same case back there, you know, mm-hmm. like, in China. That, I mean, like, all you need to know how to speak is the dollars and cents. So. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that really is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, they told us, it was saying that, like, 70% of the, the country doesn't speak English. And so that was kind of surprising to me. Um, well, I'd imagine in Beijing, a lot of people speak English, right? Not as much as you would think. Oh, I wow, mean, really? I think that, like, in certain places where they obviously have more maybe American uh, visitors, then there probably is English speakers. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, there really wasn't. Got um, it. And um, another thing that kind of surprised me in China was um, their bathrooms. So, What's up with the bathrooms? So their bathrooms, you know, they don't have, like, a typical American bathroom, which is, like, an actual toilet. Um, you know, where you can actually sit on it and all of that. Uh, but they have, I don't know what the actual term uh, for this style of bathroom is. It's basically, you know, where they have like the hole in the ground. Oh, like a urinal? Is that what it is? Is that what urinals look like? A, a, a urinal in the ground. Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So it, it's connected to like a long pipe or the water closet's like up there somewhere. And it's. Yeah, yeah, basically. And so yeah, I just... think you have a bunch of that in Europe also. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, in wow. some parts of Europe, uh, oh. they have like stuff on the ground. Like, yeah, because I can remember uh, watching and one, which is a basketball thing when I was younger, and they went on a tour to Europe and. They're like, oh, that's like peeing in the hood. (laughs) (laughs) It was so long ago, but I remember that one. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Like, everyone... Literally everywhere you went, though. Yeah. So, I mean, even in the nicest of places, Mm -hmm. uh, there were all bathrooms like that. And so that really... And then, like, toilet paper, for some reason, a lot of bathrooms didn't have toilet paper. So you'd always have to carry toilet paper with you. With you. Um, so, yeah, really? so it's just little things like that. Where you're like, I would imagine, I don't know the statistics, but I would imagine China is one of the top producers of toilet paper. If we, go, <laughs> if we really look at it, they produce everything. <laughs> they pro- probably produce everything in front of me now, my mics, my microphone, everything. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Um, talk to me a little bit. So we talked a little bit about this, about Eritrea being a relatively new country, mm-hmm. um, maybe less than 30 years old now. And uh, Eritrea was born out of a conflict with Ethiopia, if I have my facts correctly. Um, was that something your parents talked to you about? Was that something you uh, were told about? Is that something that's being put in popular culture, like back home, like music and movies? How conscious is the average Eritrean about the war, the war that happened with Ethiopia and uh, the relationship with the neighbors, Ethiopia? Yeah, I would say literally every every Eritrean is very well aware of the the war with Ethiopia um, because it was still fairly recent, you know, mm. and it was a 30-year-long war. Mm. Um, and I believe at that time it was the longest African war um, that had existed, um, so I'm not sure if that's still true nowadays but um so and because Eritrea is is a smaller country um literally everyone was touched by the war in some way so either you had a family member who was actually in the war um you know maybe you had somebody who passed away who um was a casualty of the war um there were so many different um ways that you could have been affected by the war 
And so, and actually that was the reason why a lot of Eritreans um, ended up moving out of Eritrea and mm. coming to places like America, like my parents. So my dad was in the war for about seven years. Mm. Um, and my mom, she tried to join the army, but she was too young. Um, wow. And so they basically turned her away. And then, um, so yeah, so it was just like an ongoing thing. And then it's, it's, it's literally in, um, in everything. So in our music, um, in our movies, um, you know, even in the news, the Eritrean news that comes out that a lot of Eritreans watch, um, it's constantly talking about not just the war, I would say, but probably just like the politics that surrounds, you know, the issues that um, were surrounding during the war. Um, and so a lot of people are very much aware of the war and um, how it affected all of us. How's the relationship between both countries in the sense that you're in thousands of miles away in the U.S.? Do, does the Eritrean and Ethiopian community mix here? Uh, will an Ethiopian parent give his blessings uh, to his daughter to marry an Eritrean guy? Uh, do you guys attend the same churches here, or are are there still those scars that prevent uh, families from either countries from uh, mixing together? I think there is still a little bit of those scars because, like I said, it's still it's still pretty recent. I mean, like I said, if I have my own father who's still been a part of that war, then there there hasn't been that much um, history removed from all of this. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I think that there probably are some people who are still like, oh, well, I'm not ready to necessarily marry into uh, an Ethiopian family or an Eritrean family. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's gotten so much better, and especially in these last few years, especially with uh, Ethiopia and Eritrea making the peace that they have done um, in the last recent years. Um, and in Colorado, anyway, for the most part, I would say the Eritrean and Ethiopian communities do stay separate. Um, so it's very known, like, this is an Ethiopian church and this is an Eritrean church, say, for instance. Got it. Um, but at the same time, it's still, uh, because the culture, the cultures are very similar, um, we still all consider ourselves Habisha, is what we call it. Habitra? Habisha. 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 Yeah, so it's okay. H-A-B-E-S-H-A. Habisha. Yeah. Got so it. Habisha is... Generally, they're supposed to refer to everybody that's kind of like in that region of East Africa. Um, but a lot of Eritreans and Ethiopians, we use it to kind of just refer to one another. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, so yeah, so it's still kind of separate, but at the same time, there's still a closeness. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, just because the cultures are still very similar. Um, and um, yeah, and I think that it's only going to continue, you know, and especially now that the border has opened up between Eritrea and Ethiopia mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, a lot more families are going to be able to visit each other because, you know, there was a lot of Eritreans that had moved to Ethiopia and yeah. vice versa. And so I think the more that that continues, the better the relationships are going to be between Eritreans and Ethiopians. Yeah. Is it easy to kind of like distinguish, like you, you see someone like walking down the street, can you immediately know that that person is Ethiopian or Eritrean, maybe based on the way they dress or, or something, or, or maybe waiting to hear them speak and say, oh, that's not Sigrinia, yeah, maybe that's Amharic or something. Oh, yeah, for stuff. sure. Um, I can definitely spot out somebody who's Habesha, you know, mm. so I can't necessarily um, distinguish whether or not they're Eritrean or Ethiopian, but I can mm. definitely say, oh, yeah, they're from that region. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then once they start speaking, 
Amharic and Tigrinya is so, it, it sounds completely different. Mm. And so I can automatically tell as soon as they start speaking to me in either Amharic or Tigrinya whether or not they're Eritrean or Ethiopian. Got it. Like you said, um, time heals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we only hope that, you know, we can continue to heal those wounds because some of those wounds were not self-inflicted. They were orchestrated by outside forces. You hear about things like the Berlin Conference and things like that, yeah. and things that went on in South Africa and, all, you know, all those things. Like, there were external forces that, that came into the mix and wrestled uh, fetters on the continent. I can only hope that, you know, countries in Africa continue to unite and we can push forward the African agenda by ourselves and build our own future, um, which is one of the reasons I have podcasts like this. Uh, so in as much as I talk to people from all over the world, I've done about 60, 61 episodes now and talk to people from like 35 different countries. So in its own little way, you mm -hmm. know, at least I'm learning those little things from you. So the next time I meet uh, someone from a retrial, like, oh, hey, salam, you know, <laughs> can I get some boo, that kind of thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it kind of breaks that uh, that tension. And at the end of the day, that's why I asked you that question, like, what are the commonalities you saw? And there's some kind of commonalities, no matter how different we are. Yeah. Uh, we're all from different races, but we all still belong to the human race at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. even though, you know, it might not be practical to have 100% peace mm -hmm. all across the world, but we can take it a step better, at least in our generation, to uh, bridge some of those divides. So yeah. uh, hopefully this podcast and other activities that other people are doing uh, all over the world are contributing uh, to that aspect. So yeah. A conversation, sometimes it's where to start. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that's the foundation. Mm -hmm. So... All right, cool. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Uh, what do you, I, I didn't speak to you about anything professional, but what, what do you see yourself doing? What are you interested in, like, professionally? Uh, what do you see yourself doing in, like, 10 years, 20 years? What industries are you interested in? Um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so currently I am a virtual assistant. Um, and so basically I work with uh, different clients who um, – who own their own businesses, so built small business owners, CEOs, entrepreneurs. Um, I basically help with um, managing their their admin side of their business um, and virtually, so I do that remotely. Um, but in the future, I would definitely love to. Um, I would love to like focus a little bit more on events and travel. Um, mm. You know, travel is like a huge, huge passion of mine. I yeah, like I would have guessed. <laughs> <laughs> You just learn so much about um, not only the other cultures that you that you go and you visit, but then you also learn a lot about yourself. Mm. And um, and I would love to be able to um, curate experiences for others to um, hopefully have like you know some really positive and life changing travel experiences. Got it. I mean, sp speaking about travel, like, uh, I mean, I'm Nigerian, you're Eritrean. Yeah. Shout out to the travel ban. <laughs> 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 I mean, this this uh, administration you know, just keeps coming, man. I know. <laughs> Keep coming with the remixes, but, but it's Joe all Nagus, good. Joe Nagus, who is a representative for Colorado. Who? Uh, Joe Nagus. Okay. Uh, he's the representative of Colorado. I can't remember exactly what. Um, but yeah, so basically he just uh, proposed um, something into legislation, basically trying to uh, stop the ban. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully that'll go into effect and that, you know, yeah. that'll be stopped. I think it's just pol political. I mean, I don't know. I don't really talk too much politics on this podcast, but, you yeah. know, you say you want to keep the, the bad people out, but you're still permitting uh, temporary visas. Like, yeah. uh, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's by the way. Uh, 
Yeah, thank you very much for coming. I usually like to give my guests about five minutes or a couple of minutes at the end of the podcast to talk about whatever. If there's something you want to document that you want to be able to come back to and listen to and say, okay, this is motivation for me to achieve X. If there's something you want to put out to the world, someone you want to shout out, if there's you want to like drop your social media so listeners can reach out to you and you know continue the conversation. If there are questions you have about me and Nigeria, mm-hmm. uh, you have kind of like a couple of minutes to just uh, you know have owned the mic <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah so basically i'll just shout out um one of um, the clients that i work with right now so i work with sister biz global network um shout out makisha yes shout out to makisha and um and everyone else on the team um and so basically um it is a nonprofit organization that helps black women uh, entrepreneurs uh, build and scale their businesses. Um, so it's a wonderful organization. So if anyone is interested in, um, you know, getting more information about that, I would definitely suggest checking out our Assisted Biz uh, Global Network website. Um, you can also find me on... And Assisted Biz. Yes, Sista. So it's spelled S-I-S-T-A-H-B-I-Z. Mm-hmm. Um and then you can also find me on Instagram. Um, and so it's just my my first name. So it's Sanait. So it's S-E-N-A-I-E-T underscore Hagos, H-A-G-O-S. Got it. Got it. All right. So we have something we do at the end of every podcast. So in as much as this was like a casual conversation, uh, hopefully our guests, uh, our listeners <laughs> get to pick up one or two um, cultural get to be educated culturally during our conversation, but we like to pass across messages deliberately at the end of the podcast. So we play something called Endgame, and this is a game at the end of the podcast. That's why it's called Endgame. <laughs> where I ask you questions about where you're from, and you answer them uh, or not answer them, and we find out uh, the answer together, and we, in that way, deliberately pass on that information about where you're from, something that our listeners might not have known. Okay. So I have just one question for you today. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one for a thousand points. <laughs> Do you happen to know the official currency of Eritrea? Yes. It's called the Nafka. Ding, 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 ding. Wait, say that again? Nafka? Man, I would have pronounced that so wrong. I would have pronounced that so wrong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's correct. Um the currency is called the Eritrean Nakfa. I was introduced, uh, a little bit of history here, introduced the 8th of November 1997, and 100 Eritrean cents is one Nakfa, mm-hmm. and currently the exchange rate with the U.S. dollar is uh, 15 Eritrean Nakfa to one U.S. dollar, Yes, which is pretty damn good, because one Nigerian Naira is about 360, uh, one dollar is like 360. You, uh, Nigerian Naira. And this is me who paid for grad school a couple of months ago. <laughs> so it's crazy. But yeah, thank you for coming. Thank um, you for having me. You guys can follow Culture Class Podcast everywhere as well. Uh, it's Culture Class Podcast on all social media. Our Twitter is Culture Class Pod. Uh, send us an email, cultureclasspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think. Reach out to Sanaya. She gave your social media handles. And yeah, till next week, uh, stay safe. Yay.